Good morning. Welcome to St. Martin in the Fields. Thank you for worshiping with us today. When you came in, you received a bulletin that'll have page numbers for hymns and such. Almost every word you need will be on the screens, but if you like to follow along on the music, if these notations mean anything to you, you're better off than I am. But the page numbers for the hymns will be in the service bulletin. If it's your first time worshiping with us, you'll notice a welcome card in the pew back in front of you. I invite you to take that, write your name, some contact information. We would love to follow up with you this week, tell you more about our community here. You can place that in the offering basket or you can hand it to me outside after the service. A couple of things to note in our common life coming up is today, following this service, I invite you, we're going to gather over in the parish hall for a cookout and celebrate the long weekend celebrate Independence Day, and just have some good fellowship together. Also, next week, I invite you to come back. The 10th will be Reverend Paula's last Sunday with us. As you probably know, she will soon be joining St. Christopher's in Fort Worth as their priest in charge, and so her final Sunday here will be next week. Following that service, we're going to have a reception where we can celebrate her and send her off with our prayers. If you pay close attention, you notice that we're praying for St. Christopher in our prayers today. I don't know if that's because we think they need extra prayers or or what that is. I'll let let the reader understand. Next Sunday is the second Sunday. That's normally when we have service Sunday. After the service, that's when we pack um, lunches for our siblings experiencing homelessness at Union Gospel Mission because those folks also want to go to um, Paula's reception. We're moving service Sunday for this month. It'll be on Saturday, July 16th, so not next Saturday, but the one after. We'll gather in the parish hall at 1 o'clock to make those lunches on Saturday, the 16th. Um, Finally, you'll notice, uh, as we've been talking about for several weeks, we're in the process of reunifying our diocese with the Diocese of Texas. If you don't know what any of that means, you can talk to me afterwards. But basically, we're going to become a parish in the Diocese of Texas rather than the Episcopal Church in North Texas, which is dissolving because we're all joining up with Texas. As part of those uh, steps, we have an application that we're signing, and so if you haven't had an opportunity to do so, there's an application on the table back in, um, in the narthex. If you're on the vestry, there's one page where you can sign. I think there's a couple vestry members that still need to sign. If you're a parishioner, there's another page. I invite you to sign on there so we can have as much representation as possible before we send that off to our new diocese. I think that's enough for now. As we begin, let us take a few moments and prepare our hearts for worship. Now I invite you to please stand as you are able as together we sing our opening hymn, Jesus Shall Reign.
blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Blessed be his kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. be with you. Let us pray. O God, you have taught us to keep all your commandments by loving you and our neighbor. Grant us the grace of your Holy Spirit that we may be devoted to you with our whole heart and united to one another with pure affection. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated for the readings. Reading from the second book of Kings. Naaman, commander of the army of Aaron, was a great man and in high favor with his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man though a mighty warrior suffered from leprosy now the Arameans, or one of their raids, had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, 
he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord just what the girl from the land of Israel has said. And the king of Aram said, go then, and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. He went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, when this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, am I God to give death or life that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me that he may learn there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger him saying, go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in a rage. But his servants approached and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was, wash and be clean? So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Psalm 30, let us read in unison. I will exalt you, O Lord, because you have lifted me up and have not let my enemies triumph over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you restored me to health. You brought me up, O Lord, from the dead. You restored my life as I was going down to the grave. Sing to the Lord, you servants of his. Give thanks for the remembrance of his holiness. For his wrath endures, but the twinkling of an eye, his favor for a lifetime. Weeping may spend the night, but joy comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I shall never be disturbed. You, Lord, with your favor, made me as strong as the mountains. Then you hid your face, and I was filled with fear. I cried to you, O Lord. I pleaded with the Lord, saying, 
What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you or declare your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my wailing into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Therefore, my heart sings to you without ceasing. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. A reading from Paul's letter to the Galatians. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must trust their own work. Then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. Do not be, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh, but if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap in harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. See what large letters I, have, I make when I am writing in my own hand? It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that try to compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Even the circumcised do not let themselves obey the law, but they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast of anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. As for those who will follow this rule, peace be upon them and mercy and upon the Israel of God.
the word of the Lord. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. The Lord appointed seventy others and sent them on ahead of him in peers to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go on your way. See, I'm sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no paws, no bags, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborers deserve to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcomes you, eat what is said before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go outside into the street and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet will wipe off in protest against you. You know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you, listen to me. And whoever rejects you, rejects me. And whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy 
saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to train on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and not, nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the Spirit submits you, but rejoice that your name are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Younger Christians are invited to follow Reverend Paula and Miss Liza to Children's Chapel. They'll go through these doors to the corner to our chapel. They'll rejoin with us in here during the peace. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So I have this vivid memory. Growing up, I was second or third grade. I went to Redeemer Lutheran School. It's a small Christian school over in Bembrook. And for some reason, we performed Naaman's story, the Old Testament. Don't ask me why a bunch of like eight and nine-year-olds are doing the story of lepers and, and all of this. But I played the part of the king. Like the vivid memory I have is that I had this robe that had breakaway Velcro and I got to like rip it off and has nothing to do with the sermon. It just occurred to me as I was hearing the, the first lesson read today. My mom's watching online. She was one of the teachers. She probably knows why we did this, and there's probably some valid reason, but for the life of me, I can't figure out what that might be. So I've been on vacation this past week. I was in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, first time to visit there. I shared a uh, a house with my sisters and their families, and my mom is like 16 of us, with kids, with cousins ranging from, I think, 11 to like 24, right, all that. So this vacation was exactly as relaxing as y'all are imagining. <laughs> and, and so I've, I'm actually thankful I'm preaching today, because then I had the excuse um, all week, hey, I need to go work on my sermon, I could sneak away and catch my breath and get away from not just my kids, but like all the kids. But it occurred to me, actually, that this is the first real vacation my family has taken like that, like a week-long type of deal, in three years, right? I mean, time warp of COVID and all of that. I mean, it was three years ago, this exact time, June, July of 2019, my family, I have two sisters, they live here, and so when we lived in South Carolina, we met in the middle. My mom and my sisters and their families came, and we met in Mobile, spent some time, you know, in the beach around there, and it was lovely. But what I remembered as I was preparing the sermon was that on the way back to South Carolina, we went out of our way and 
went through Montgomery because we wanted to visit the National Memorial for Peace and Justice. Maybe you've been there. It's the memorial and monument that the Equal Justice Initiative, Brian Stevenson's group, has put together. It's dedicated to all the victims of lynching um, throughout our nation's history. And so the museum and the, the memorial tell the story of, of a nation that wrestles with, with this stuff and still wrestles or sometimes avoids wrestling with, but it's beautiful. If you've been there, you, you know what I'm talking about. It's very moving. Kind of the centerpiece of this whole memorial is, is this kind of open-air plaza with covered walkways, and, and above are hanging these monuments. They're hanging down from the roof on poles. They're, they're metal blocks, and each of these metal blocks has the name of a different county, and each of these counties have the names of our brothers and sisters and siblings who were lynched in those places. So you can imagine, I'm, I'm walking through this monument with nine and 11-year-old boys who, like, I talk about hard things with, and so we have conversations about this, and, and we seek out some places. Right. Richland County, South Carolina, where we lived at the time, there was this block with names on it. Aiken County, South Carolina, where next Sunday afternoon I'll drive my boys to summer camp. There's a block with names on it. Alexandria, Virginia, where I went to seminary. There's a block with names on it. Harris County, where my boys were born. There's a block with names on it. Tarrant County. There's a block with a name on it. Fred Rouse. So as I'm walking through and talking about this with my boys, you've met them, you know that they are precocious or you know, they are who they are. They say things like, how did this happen? Right? And so in this conversation, I had to explain to them that some of these dates listed are when people we know and love were still alive and living in those counties. People are still alive today that were alive when some of these names happened. There were Episcopal churches in all of these counties, still are. There were Episcopal priests at the time in all of these counties. So one of my boys asked, why didn't they do anything? We have stories of clergy and congregation that did things. We also have stories of clergy and congregations that avoided doing things. So I really had no answer for why they didn't do anything. Then my other son said, I want to make sure this never happens again. You and me both. The Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. So today's gospel starts with Jesus appointing and sending these 70. 
Earlier in the gospel, the 12 had gone out and come back, and now Jesus is expanding the mission. And so this 70 is an interesting number. It might be because there were just 70 people sitting around, and they all found jobs. It's like how we pick vestry. You're around here, you're going to get a job. But scholars actually connect this to a couple different things, maybe. In Genesis 10, when they name all the nations of the earth, there's 70 of them. In Numbers, when God tells Moses to appoint elders for all the people of God, there's 70 elders. And so I don't think it's just happenstance that Jesus appointed these 70. I think what Jesus is saying here is that it's not just the job of the 12. It's not just the job of certain people. It's not just the job of the chosen people. This job of going, this job of sharing, this job of proclaiming is everybody's job. It's all of our jobs. Jesus is appointing and sending all of us out as laborers in the field. So I had this stole made after my dad died. I wear it once every three years when we read this gospel. Uh, it's little wheat stalks, and on it is a passage from this scripture. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. You see, my mom and dad grew up on wheat farms in Kansas. My uncle's still, he's probably at church right now, but he'll go home. It's harvest time right now. And so there are people around the world who are laboring in the field right now, literally. And so when Jesus uses this metaphor, he's talking about hard work. I, like, I've been unfortunate enough to be at my uncle's farm in the summer when work is required. I try not to go there in the summer anymore. It is hard work. I was thinking about this, the work of laborers in the field, the work of farmers this week. Because I also, another thing I did, you'll, you'll notice I sometimes plan these when I have vacations with my family in order to avoid my family. I also started Stephen ministry training. I look at Deborah over there. And so we have folks here who are training to be Stephen ministers. With that requires the clergy to go through this leader training. It started Wednesday. So there's books you had to read. There's three hours. Sorry, Carrie, Dia, I can't actually take our kids anywhere because I have to be on a Zoom call. And I plan this well. But the first book we're reading is Christian Caregiving, A Way of Life. And so as this gospel was rattling around in my brain, I read the very first paragraph of the book, chapter 1. It says, Farmers teach lessons in hope every day. They toil for weeks preparing the soil for planting, tilling, Fertilizing, planting seeds, cultivating, all these activities serve to prepare and nourish the crop. Every day, farmers hope for rain, but not too much, for sun, but not too much, for warmth, but not too much. When the harvest arrives, farmers are gathering hopes fulfilled as much as work rewarded. Farmers teach lessons in hope every day. So when Jesus uses this metaphor, 
I don't think he's just talking about the hard work that's going to be involved, although he does talk about that, like sending out like sheep among wolves, don't take anything with you, you're going to encounter obstacles and rejection. All that Jesus talks about the hard work of laboring in the field. But what I think he's also getting at when he uses this metaphor of laborers in the field is that you can't do that if you are not a people of hope. Putting something in the ground, tending to it, watering it, there is nothing within us that can actually make it grow. We can do all the activities of of farming, but we can't make it grow. We have to hope. And so as Jesus appoints and sends us out into the field to do this hard work of love, he sends us out as a people of hope. Back at the National Memorial for Peace and Justice, I was amazed that in this place that that tells the story of such heartache, such despair, such pain and such suffering, such darkness, you'll find stories of hope. You'll find people who, who take these these tragic stories and histories, and turn them into beautiful art. Which, what is art but an expression of hope? If you hear the creators and the curators of the museum talk about their their design of this place, you'll hear things like, the memorial was conceived with hope. Or, it is our hope that this memorial inspires communities. Or we aim to promote a more hopeful commitment to racial equality and just treatment of all people. Even surrounded by reminders of darkness and hatred and violence and oppression. Even surrounded by metal slabs with every county you've ever lived in. We are people of hope. So Jesus sends us out into the world to proclaim God's peace, to proclaim that the kingdom of God is near, to proclaim that the world is being made right. But he says it won't be easy. We're going to encounter obstacles. Some people will receive us. And when people receive us, we're supposed to tell them, peace be with you, the kingdom of God is near. That's pretty easy to do. But then we're going to encounter people that reject us. People that don't want us around. And Jesus says, you're to proclaim, peace be with you. The kingdom of God is near. Even in those places where it's not easy to do so. So how do we go into those places where we might encounter obstacle and rejection? How do we go into those places of heartache and pain? How do we go into those places where we don't know what's going to happen? We only do it as people of hope.
I have a friend who has the word hope tattooed on her wrist right here so she can see it whenever she wants. For her, it's a reminder of one of the hardest experiences of her life when it was just tears and heartache. It serves as a reminder of God's presence and God's faithfulness, even in the hard times. We do not grieve as those who have no hope, Paul says. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning, our psalm today says. We are a people of hope. Even when we don't feel it, we are a people of hope. Even when all we have are tears and broken hearts, we are a people of hope. Even when the only light we can see is a pinprick at the end of a long and dark hallway, we are people of hope. Regardless of the ground in which we tend, regardless of the circumstances in which we find ourselves, regardless of anything that anyone around us does or doesn't do, even in the darkest of times, even in the hardest of situations, we are a people of hope. Amen. Standing as you are able, let us together affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. 
He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. The prayers of the people form four are at page 388 of the Book of Common Prayer. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Grant, Almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. In our Anglican cycle of prayer, we pray for the Anglican Church of Tanzania. In our diocesan cycle of prayer, we pray for St. Christopher Episcopal Church in Fort Worth. Lord, in your mercy, guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy, Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. We pray for the students, teachers, and staff of Caprock Elementary, Carroll ISD, and Central High School. Lord, in your mercy, comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit, especially Sean, John, Rick, Mary Jane, Kathy, Suzette, Richard, Judy, Terry, Patty, Louise, Wayne, Millie, Ken, Richard, Doug, Larry, Ramona, Nancy, Charlie, Carrie, Shauna, Alice, Susan, and Tiffany. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy. We commend to your mercy all who have died especially Catherine, that your will for them may be fulfilled, and we pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God Almighty, you have made all the people of the earth for your glory, to serve you in freedom and in peace. Give to the people of our country a zeal for justice and the strength of forbearance, that we may use our liberty in accordance with your gracious will, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, 
we confess that we have sins against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done, by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humble repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Please stand as you are able. May the peace of the Lord be always with you. Please be seated. Peace be with you and to anyone worshiping with us online. Thank you again for worshiping with us today. Just a reminder, after the service, you're invited to go join us in the parish hall for a time of fellowship and fun with your parish family. This is the time in the service where we like to pray for folks celebrating milestones in their lives. Is there anyone celebrating a birthday with us today? Come on over here. Yeah, got a couple of them. How old are you turning? 13. Are you a little older than 13? All right. Let us pray. Oh God, our times are in your hands. Look with favor, we pray, on your servants as they begin another year. Grant that they may grow in wisdom and grace and strengthen their trust in your goodness all the days of their lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Happy birthday, y'all. Anyone with us today celebrating an anniversary? Right. This is the point in our service called the Holy Eucharist, Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. It goes by many different names. But the one thing you need to know is that here at St. Martin's, everyone is welcome at God's table. So when the ushers invite you to come forward, we make our way around the rail. We start on the outsides and work our way toward the middle. When you find your place, you can stand or kneel, whatever is your preference. Deacon Io and Reverend Paula will come by with the bread, the consecrated wafer. To receive that, you can place one open palm on top of the other, and they'll place that in your hand. If you prefer to receive gluten-free, just turn that top hand over. That'll be a signal to get the gluten-free hosts. Coming behind them will be the chalice bearers. When they present to you the cup, you can either dip or intinct the wafer, the edge of the wafer into the wine, or you can sip from the cup. If it's not your custom to receive the Eucharist, I still invite you to come forward. You can cross your arms. We would love to pray God's blessing over you. Once you've received the bread or the wine or the blessing, you're free to make your way back to your seat. This is also when we offer uh, anointing and prayers for healing. If you desire such prayers, before you make your way around the altar rail, I'll be standing here in the middle. You can come forward here, and I would love to pray God's healing power over you. 
And then once we conclude that prayer, then you can make your way to receive communion and then go about. We're about to pass the offering baskets to each other. And as always, I invite you to use this time to to hold these plates in your hand for a brief moment, say a prayer, ask God how you might offer your life this week. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
our service continues with Eucharistic Prayer A, which can be found in the Book of Common Prayer on page 361. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give us thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. For you are the source of light and life. You made us in your image and called us to new life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Gracious Father, in your infinite love you made us for yourself. And when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Recalling his death, resurrection, and ascension, we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in him. Sanctify us also, that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. 
And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the peace. The gifts of God for the people of God.
Our service continues with the prayer after communion, which is on page 365 of the Book of Common Prayer. As you are able, please stand. Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. May God's hope be a clearing sky before you, a compass in your heart guiding you to where you belong. And the blessing of God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Let us go forth in the name of Christ.
Thank you.